In Matthew 4:19, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. Hello, and welcome to this episode of 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. My name is Beth Laurie, and I'm so glad to be with you today. Today, I have um, my friend, my new friend, Dave Bachman. Hi, Dave. Hey, how are you guys? We are good, and we're really glad to have Dave with us. Dave um, came to Mount Pisgah last month in August, and we really wanted to do this podcast then, but it was a busy time for all of us. School was getting started, and he sort of came in and out of town, but I wanted to have him back on the podcast just to share a bit. It was such a wonderful conference. So many people came and learned, and yet there were nuggets that we still wanted to get the word out about. But if you don't know Dave, he's the city director for the Navigators in Nashville, where he gets to live out his passion for mobilizing young leaders to follow Jesus and to make more followers of Jesus. His primary influence is college students, but he also oversees ministries to young professionals, international students, and workplace leaders. Dave grew up at Mount Pisgah. He's one of us. (laughs) He was significantly discipled by many amazing staff and volunteers over the years here. Dave's parents are Ray and Vicki Bachman. Ray has been on our podcast a few times like father, like son. <laughs> so, <laughs> Ray, we're sh- I mean, uh, Dave, we're sure glad to have you with us today. And I would love it if you could maybe start off telling us about your story, how you became a disciple of Jesus and then how you became a disciple maker. Yes. Well, this is a conversation that I am so passionate about and has had such a huge impact on my life that I'm really excited to be here discussing this with you guys. Yeah, so I grew up in a Christian home. Um, my father was a fairly young Christian when me and my uh, older brother and sister came into the world. Um, but he was uh, discipled significantly by an older man who was back from the mission field, meeting with young business leaders. And that made all the difference. This guy happened to be on staff at this ministry called The Navigators that I work with now. Um, he gave his life to my dad and my dad in turn gave his life to us. And obviously he's our father. And so he was, he was always, uh, engaged spiritually and just around and conversations here and there. And, and, and it was an immersive discipleship experience in a sense, because it was through family, but it was, I just want to also say it was, it was quite intentional as well. I remember being, uh, in the seventh grade and my dad pulled my brother and I aside and said, you know, I, I, I got this, um, I had this thought that if I only had a few more years to live, you know, have I really passed on to my sons, the, the things that the Lord has, has passed on to me. And he felt a conviction that he needed to be even more intentional. And so there's a little bagel shop on, uh, old Alabama road, just near the church there near our house. And on a weekly basis before school, we would get up and, meet dad for breakfast and bagels and Bible's open on the table. And that's where my discipleship journey, I would say became a lot more um, tangible and focused. And you, know, you think about a father son relationship and there's, there's all kinds of dynamics there. But the neat thing about this was is that dad presented himself a lot more as a big brother than he, than he did an authoritative figure or, or even um, someone who was, you know, somewhat in, in such a different stage of life that, 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 that maybe we couldn't relate to him, but no, he really got on our level and we mainly focused on memorizing scripture together. 
the, the navigators have a, have a 60 verse topical memory system, the TMS that we started going through verse by verse each week. And side note um, for, for the disciple makers who are listening, wow, what, what a strategic and high bang for the buck tool for disciple making um, scripture memory is. So that, that, that was not only was I growing and learning and being transformed by God's word as I hit it in my heart, but it was also building a tool in my life that I could later draw from to share with others. Um, but dad met with us and poured into us. And, and you know, some of those conversations that stand out to me was, you know, we'd, we'd study uh, a verse on servanthood. You know, Mark 10, 45, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I remember dad opening it up and saying, you know, guys, what are some ways that we can serve your mother? Um, there's, there, there's so many things that, that she has um, desires for us that we could pitch in and help out. And, and dad even opened up and was vulnerable and said, you know, I feel like I've dropped the ball in some ways on, on this. And we all sort of dropped our heads together and said, you know, Lord, help us. We prayed that, we, that God would make us more servant hearted toward, especially towards our mom. And I, I, you know, that, that stands out to me. I mean, in the eighth grade, I, I could just remember that moment, that conversation. It was dad was real. Dad was vulnerable. Dad was human. And yet he was also dependent on God. He was modeling a dependence on God, not having it all together, not having all the answers, but that dependence. And so that, that was that was attractive. And, and that went on all through middle school and through high school. And uh, somewhere along the way, he ended up saying, you know, you guys have been receiving this stuff for a while now. It's time for you to start praying that God would give you a person you could pour into. We talked a lot about 2 Timothy 2, 2, where Paul says to Timothy, the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be qualified to teach others. And so he said, who is going to be, uh, you know, here I am pouring into you. Who's that next generation that you're going to pour into that they might pour into the next generation? And uh, that terrified me at first. I was, mm-hmm. I was unsure if I could pull this off. And I love the way we started. It was because there might be some even listeners out there who think I've never engaged with this idea of personal disciple making. What would this even look like? How could I sit down with someone one-on-one or one-on-two and, and, and have this kind of um, conversation around God's word? And, and I, was, I was nervous. The thing we did was he said, let's just start with prayer. And so we started praying that God would bring someone into my life that I could pour into in, in a meaningful way, intentional way. And, uh, and sure enough, God opened the door. And um, within a couple months, I was meeting with uh, my best friend. He was, he became my best friend, but um, he, at the time he was an acquaintance, but uh, me and Andy started meeting together on Sunday mornings before church. We met at Waffle House and <laughs> uh, spilled coffee all over our Bibles and, and, and got serious about following Jesus together. And I got to pour into, into Andy for several years. And that kind of, that kind of um, wet my appetite for more. And I thought if God can use my life and with Andy, with all my issues and all my questions and all my, you know, weaknesses, if God can use my life and Andy's life, then, um, then I think I can, I, I think I can trust him. I think I can do this in the lives of others as well. And so little did I know I would, I would, uh, the Lord would call me later on to do this with full-time with my um, full-time vocationally. And it is such a joy. So I've, I've been, I've been hooked on it ever since. 
I love that story. Thank you for sharing it. It sounds so simple and natural and warm and relational and and doable, right? And, Mm. you know, even the part where you said you weren't sure and uh, how God could use you even in your own situation right where you were. What a... What a great reminder that is for all of us. Thank you. Aww. Yeah, I love the verse, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. You know, we have this treasure, like the hope of the gospel. We have Jesus, this beautiful thing, this priceless thing. We have this treasure in jars of clay, right? This common, fragile, you know, uh, the humanity of it, in a sense, uh, vessel. Why? To show that this all-surpassing power comes from God and not from ourselves. And so God is so interested in using fragile people, broken people, people that have plenty of issues, right? We're all in that boat. He's so interested in using those folks and putting his gospel inside of us. Um, not so we can shine the pot up and make it look real pretty and, and focus on that, but so that we can, we can say, look at what God has done. Look at what he's done in, in this person's life. Look at what he can do in your life. And I find myself fighting that a lot because it goes against some of my nature to want to come across a certain way to people. But I'm learning more and more to embrace the humility of it and embrace my neediness and my weakness that God might get the glory. Yeah, well said, well said. And and a beautiful reminder of the intentionality uh, when one life is willing and open to pour into another. So thank you again for sharing that. Mm. I really wanted you to come and share with us. You get to see things that maybe some of us don't see. You get to work with college students and the Generation Z. And I just would love to hear about what you're seeing and what you're what you're noticing, what God's doing there. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for asking. I love them so much. (laughs) Um, God has given me such compassion for them. And, you know, the statistics that you'll read a quick Google search will pull up all kinds of articles and you'll, you'll basically hear some of the same things. This generation is experiencing an exponential increase in anxiety, depression, loneliness. Um, COVID has poured fuel on the fire. Um, it has been uh, something that psychologists and counselors have said is like they've never seen before. Um, gosh, even just saying that makes me feel a little emotional. Just when that's, those are just numbers and and broad, broad brushstrokes. But when you sit down with these folks and hear their stories, you, you know, why, you know, why they're dealing with with, with what they're dealing with. Um, you know, the iPhone came out in 2007 and a lot of the research that you'll see shows significant changes in cultural trends and and things among this generation, all kind of hinging around that year 2007. Um, I mean, all kinds of technology has been increasing and and, and, um, becoming quite effective and drawing our affections in in different ways. but yeah, that's that that's that's part of the story. Um, it's and it's not just you know technology is not just affecting Gen Z, right? It's affecting us all. We all have this um, constant tethering to um, thousands of relationships and thousands you know, thousands of lines of information, and it's just always grabbing our attention and different things, and it's sitting in our pockets, right? Um, but yeah, the way that I'm seeing that affect students and young professionals. You know, one we we talked about 
um, loneliness and isolation and how that's on the rise across society, but especially among generation, generation Z. It's, it's ironic because right, they're more connected to people than ever. And yet um, uh, they're struggling with sort of sacrificing relationship with the people that are right in front of them to be loosely connected with people that are distant from them. You know, one of the ways we see this play out is uh, people are not looking to mentors and guides as naturally or frequently. Um, if you have a question, you can go online and Google it, right? But you cannot go online and have someone hold your hand and pray with you and hold your hand and tell you it's going to be okay. Let me, let me share some stories from my life of how I trusted God in a similar situation and saw God's faithfulness. Um, there might be a Facebook group for that. There might be an article you could read, but it, there's no substitute for that life-to-life -life engagement with another person who can walk with you through the different things you're going through in life. Um, here's the good news. The gospel shines beautifully and brightly with a dark backdrop, right? Mm. It's like, I remember buying my wife's, you know, engagement, what's, you know, wedding ring and, and they pull it out and they put this diamond on a black cloth and the diamond just shines. <laughs> and so one thing we're seeing is that, you know, with the rise in mental health issues, there's also been a rise in, or, or like a decrease of the stigma about mental health or emotional health or work-life balance. And so it's becoming more common to admit your weakness. It's becoming more common to say, I'm human. I have issues. I'm struggling. And what that's doing is that we're noticing lots of folks who are sort of wearing their spiritual thirst and they're on their sleeve. Mm. And so people are coming in and saying, you know, um, uh, they're being very forthright with, I'm struggling. I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with that. And I'm looking for answers. And I have a friend who's a Christian and something's different about them. And that's why I'm here today. Um, this kind of openness is just, it's creating more of a dialogue, which I'm, which I'm so grateful for. Uh, and then to meet them with a vulnerability to say, listen, I'm so grateful that you opened up about that. I can relate to that. This, here's the stuff that I'm going through. And here's how Jesus has been so kind to me and been so present in my life and walked me through stuff. I've coached some, some folks who have a heart for Gen Z that the extent to which that you can be vulnerable from your own life with them is heavily correlated to the extent to which this is going to be uh, an open and fruitful mentoring or discipleship relationship. Um, so we, we have to sort of learn to, to sort of throw off that mentality we talked about earlier, throw off that mentality of sort of the master teacher, you know, uh, master Jedi, the young Padawan kind of mentality that we see all through Hollywood. Um, and embrace the, Hey, I'm, I'm dependent on Jesus myself. I need him every day. And let me, let me just invite you to be dependent on Jesus alongside me. And I'll model that for you. Uh, and so if I'm trying to model dependence, then I'm going to have to open up about my needs and my, and my weaknesses and my challenges and generation Z will respond to that beautifully. They, they want to go there. A lot of folks have never gone there with them. And so it's, it's so authentic and so real it has a, has a huge, it makes a huge impact. Well, that is, that's so good to hear. And I really love 
the way you mentioned, the more vulnerable we are, the more transparent that it is such a doorway, uh, right? So you're, it's like shields go down, and then all of a sudden <laughs> we can see what what is really there, and we're willing to talk about hard things. And I've heard this too about Generation Z that they they're so hungry for relationship. You know, you mm. wouldn't think it sometimes because, like you said, maybe they're looking at their phones and they're ignoring the people around them. But yet they are very relational. They want to gather. They want to be together. They want to know people and they care about people and they want to have something that's real and of depth. And so uh, I really like the way you worded it as um, allowing us to see them in that light and love them in that light, uh, in the light of Christ. You know, there was um, a Barna study that you mentioned when you were here that was also very interesting, right? I think it mentioned gener- gener- Gen Z. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, uh, Barna Research Group has put out some great stuff. And and there was a study that came out a couple of years ago about uh, more of the millennial generation, but I would say it, it oh, it's built definitely into Gen okay. Z. But their research reported that um, 47% of millennials did not think um, evangelism was appropriate. (laughs) Uh, Sharing your faith was sort of out of bounds from 40s. I mean, almost half of millennial evangelical believers. And when I saw that, it was, in some ways it shocked me. In other ways, it brought some clarity to maybe what I was seeing in terms of the timidness and these upcoming generations. one of the ways I've made sense of that is, you know, okay, why is that? Why, why are people saying uh, that, that this is wrong? Um, because biblically, right. I mean, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, and follow the son, the Holy spirit, et cetera. Um, we're still called to this. So this is problematic. Well, um, some things that might be influencing that, you know, uh, Number one, um, there's sort of this you do you culture that's that's come up where uh, it's kind of coming out of the idea of tolerance, the, the word tolerance being a little bit changed in its definition over the last several years to be you have to sort of accept and believe everything that I believe in order for us to be friends. Um, in, order, in order for you to be tolerant, you have to sort of accept everything about me and accept everything I believe. And if you oppose that, then then you're intolerant. And that's been that's been taught for a while and, and the, the culture shifted. And so the idea of approaching someone and saying uh, the gospel is this message of life, but it starts with you admitting that you're a sinner, that you're separated from God, that um, that you need a savior. And that's uncomfortable for a lot of people to hear and to say. And so there's there's a timidness there. Um, so it's 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 been interesting to process that with folks and, and talk about you know how do, you know why else might there be um, uh, a, a timidness. One one other thought is that uh, maybe it's the the evangelism practices of our parents, so to speak, were um, were biblical, but maybe they weren't so, they didn't come across so loving or so winsome. Um, and so watching that and the effect of it, I'm, I'm thinking of like sort of the, uh, the bullhorn evangelism that you, that you might see, or the, um, uh, kind of 
Bible beating evangelism or, or something like that, that maybe some kids had witnessed growing up or been, been aware of. And, and I, I, I imagine a lot of that is pretty minimal, but a few people can speak pretty loudly and have an impact. And so there's, there's a desire, I think, with this generation to see real love, um, real love behind those words and not just in word, but also in deed. And so to tell someone the gospel is going to require not um, sort of a, a pithy and abbreviated sharing of an illustration, although there will be a time for that, or, you know, leaving a sort of fear inducing tract on someone's car, although God can use anything, right? It's going to require a relationship and it's going to be messy and it's going to be hard and it's going to be inconvenient. Um, it's going to be finding your way onto someone's top five list. When, when their life falls apart, you're one of the top five people that they're going to reach out to. Like how do, how do you build trust with someone who doesn't know the Lord and end up on that list? Like that's, that's something I'm thinking a lot about. And here's one other thought too. It's all these things like evangelism is not convenient, right? Scheduling to meet with another younger believer for lunch on Thursdays at noon, that's a lot more cut and dry. Um, come over to my house for dinner on Saturday as well. And, and we'll have a great time. It's just, it's more, it's more clear cut in our society, everything, you know, building relationships with folks who don't know the Lord. And like I said, it's messy, inconvenient. It's, it's going to come up. It's sort of an immersive experience with your neighbors or your coworkers. And it's a long process. You may not see results right away. You may not get a lot of feedback. It's going to take a lot of initiative. Like, what is all that going to require? That's going to require death to self. John 12, 24 says, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. So the only thing in the world that's going to stop us from reproducing spiritually is ourselves. If we don't learn, if we don't die to ourselves. And that's a painful process, right? It's 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 a lordship process. Mm. Um, but the evangelists of the future, so to speak, are going to have to die to themselves and make space to develop long-term, meaningful relationships, vulnerable relationships with folks who don't know Jesus in a way that's both biblical and winsome. Wow, that's so good. Um, so many things are running through my head, but I, I really just want to reiterate what you were saying because... The things that like we've seen done or the things that have worked in past generations aren't going to work. Um, and so the relationship and relationships, like you're saying, they're they're organic. They're not scheduled. It's it's very different approach. Right. So even if you even if you're willing to carve out time, it can't be on on your schedule. Right. What you're saying is. You're looking, you're listening, you're waiting, you're praying, you're noticing, you're making yourself available for that moment, right? Is that what I'm hearing from you? Yes. And the Lord yes. can do something. So you've got to have that intentionality, but in a very different way. That's what this looks like? Yes. And then, you know, every now and then someone will ask you, you know, maybe they'll say, you know, how many people did you lead to Christ this year? Or how many people did you, did your church lead to Christ? You know, I have a new answer for that, right? Um, anytime someone asks you that, that, say, "Well, I led, I led them all to Christ." <laughs> what I mean, perfect. What I mean by I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of playing on the words there. What I mean by that is, you know, we have an event 
or a moment-based perspective on evangelism. It's going to be this moment when I share the gospel and they pray to receive Christ right there. And we need a broader perspective. This is going to be a process. This is going to be a relationship over time. Um, so, yeah, where else would I lead them? I'm, I'm, I let them, I'm, I'm leading everyone to Christ. I'm trying to point everyone through my life and my and, and over time to be a light, to serve, to love. Um, I'm leading them towards Christ. And there'll be times when I speak up and it's it's bold and clear. And there's times where it'll be, um, you know, silent and very active and uh, serving, you know, in secret and in different ways. And um, but, yeah, it's it's. I think the idea that um, someone's going to hear a Bible verse or an illustration and drop right there under their knees, I'm seeing less of that. I believe God can do it. And I'm, and I, I pray for God to do it more and more. Um, but people have a lot of questions and they have, they're skeptical and they've experienced a lot of pain and they um, they're, they're, this culture is less biblically literate than previous generations. And so you mentioned, you start talking about Jesus and, and what he did for them. And they're saying, who, who is Jesus again? You know, people have a caricature of Christianity that they pick up from, you know, church, you know, billboards and the news and this thing that they heard about Christians. You know what, you know, what my experience though is when you go and you build a relationship with someone who doesn't know a lot of Christians, they're so um, surprised and they're so even, even drawn in. Like I've never met a real Christian. <laughs> they may not say that to you, but that's kind of how they like, wow, you're so thoughtful and you, you asked such good questions and you were, you're such a good listener and um, wow, you really care about me and you're willing to make sacrifices. Like I, I don't see that very much. And, it's sort of like simply living the Christian life in the close context relationally with, with folks who don't know the Lord, it'll stand out. If we'll just take that risk to, to move towards our, our friends and help them see what a real Christian is like. Almost everyone I've seen has come to know Christ in the last decade with the exception of, of a few. It's been, it's been two things that's, that's primarily led them. One is, getting a kind of what I was describing, getting invited into or getting a front row seat into a Christian community, into a, a, a the Christian way of life, um, getting to see believers following Jesus and loving each other well is such a powerful apologetic and evangelistic tool. And so when we, as we invite people to belong, you might've heard this before, but you know, people want to belong and then, and then the belief often comes from that. Um, I've seen so many come to Christ that way in the last decade. The other thing is, is uh, like I said earlier, people, there's a, uh, there's a famine of biblical literacy right now. Um, even I would say in the church, very, a lot of our church kids that I'm meeting on college campuses are saying, I've never really learned how to study the Bible. I've never really, you know, read it for myself a whole lot. You know, I opened it up in the pew on Sunday morning, but, but not a whole lot beyond that. And so inviting non-believers to read the scriptures with you in particular, read about Jesus, who the scriptures are all about. Again, they're, they have a character of who Jesus is, but when they read about it for themselves, they're blown away by this amazing, at the least an amazing man, 
right? And then over time, they learn this is the son of God. Uh, I, it's so fun to see folks who have never read before, just their jaws drop. How, how did Jesus do that? Wow, if, if people were more like Jesus, like this world would be an amazing place and their attraction to him is just growing. And then you say, do you know that this Jesus is alive today and he's offering a relationship with you? And it's just, I've seen several folks also give their life to the Lord after, you know, sometimes weeks and months of reading the Bible. So that's another little, I guess, practical thought I'll throw in there too, as we're discussing evangelism. Yeah, no, those are great. Um, Cause those are two things, right. That we can do. And it's funny. I, I just heard a testimony. My friend Kingsley told me about, it was on college campus as well. These two roommates were put together in this, the, the the Christian was loving, helping everybody, always kind, sharing. He would, you know, sacrifice his stuff, whatever people needed. And his roommate finally said to him, what are you doing? You're like getting run over all the time. You're always letting people take advantage of you. You stop what you're doing. He's like, why do you do that? And um, the Christian handed him his Bible and he said, read this, you'll understand. He never actually like <laughs> told him what to do or why. He just said, read this, you'll understand. And then the guy did it. They ended up studying the Bible together and he came to Christ. So it was just really cool to wow. hear your story was much like the testimony I just heard recently. Um, but those are practical things, right? So first of all, what I'm really hearing from you, and we'll get close to closing here, is that there's this life we live first with God. And, and mm-hmm. we are a living example. We are that uh, Christ incarnate uh, to the world right here. So we live out our mm. own faith, um, and you're saying in close proximity with other believers. So the one intentional thing we do is become friends, become and go to places and move ourselves to be around unbelievers um, and then allow our not only our life um, to be a light, but then when that when those walls come down, when those questions start coming, uh, knowing God's word, it sounds like, is the next big thing that we do to be able to share, to answer their questions. You know, we're not trying to convince yes. them of something. We're just sharing what we already know. Mm-hmm. Did I summarize that? Anything you Yeah, add? pretty good. I mean, the, I mean, and and I'll just, I'll give you three words, praying, mm-hmm. lift them up to the Lord and ask for God to move, uh, loving on them. And that's hospitality, that's building the relationship. And I'll also throw this in there, have fun with them. Like, let's let's show them that Christians are some of the most fun people on the planet. We have every reason to be celebrating oh, and enjoying life to the full that Jesus has given us. Let's not be sort of the stodgy and, you know, no fun Christians. Um, so praying, loving on them, and then reading, learning, asking taking that little risk, that little step and saying, would you be interested in reading the, some of the Bible with me? I'm not an expert, but this book has changed my life and it still is changing my life. Have you ever read it yourself? Most folks will say, gosh, I really don't know. And you can even start by giving them a Bible. Yeah. Hey, I just, this, this book has meant so much to me and so much to people all throughout the centuries and God put it on my heart to give it to you. And, and here you go. And you know what? A lot of times the very next thing they're going to say, they're going to say, thank you so much. This was so thoughtful. And then they're going to say, where do I start? Maybe can you help me, (laughs) you know, figure this out? Um, And I've, I've, I've heard that a number of times. And then I'll throw in one last word too, teaming, finding a team of men and women who are also living this life of evangelism and disciple making in a unique way. 
We've got to have a team. It's easy to lose heart along the way, but a team of folks who are moving in the same direction as you can pray with you, can um, troubleshoot with you. That is also a critical piece for doing this for the long haul, because it is a spiritual battle that we're in and it will be hard and it will be messy at times. And to embrace that as this is actually the normal, this is, this is not to be unexpected. This is actually normal. Like look at the life of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, Did the guy have opposition? Look at the disciples. Did they, did it get hard? Like, of course it did. So having that team is another, is another critical piece. That's great. Cause then you'll stay encouraged. You'll stay intentional. Yes. Oh, this has been so good. Uh, Dave, thank you so much for your time. Any last parting words you want to say to our listeners? Yeah, I think I just want to reiterate that point of, uh, of second Corinthians four, seven, you know, um, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all surpassing power comes from God and not from ourselves. It's, this is not about you and me, um, coming across a certain way or, um, trying to be uh, fearless even. This is us relying on God and modeling that for the people that we're, that we're pouring into um, and modeling that in the way that we uh, give our lives away. So I love the freedom of that and just hope that encourages folks out there who feel nervous about it or have do have some legitimate fear about stepping out in this way. Right. Uh, yes. Some people comforting. have said that the, some people have said, you know, um, you know, the, maybe they have, a, from, from the outside looking in, maybe they have the thought, man, is the, the Christian life, is it boring? Like you can't do all this stuff that the world's offering you. Like, is it boring? You start following Jesus and evangelism and disciple making. And this is the Christian life is anything but boring. It is a wild ride. <laughs> it is up, down, left, right. It's exciting. It's challenging. It's risky. And to go into that, uh, to go into that lifestyle with a sense of it's not even all up to me. It's up to God. And I'm trusting him to use little old me mm. to, to do something mighty for his glory. Yes. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> That's so good. Um, so many nuggets of encouragement today. Thank you so much for being our guest. I just want the listeners to know that if you can go to the 419 website and that is 419disciplemakers.org, there's a video of the conference and there's so much more, so many more nuggets that Dave and his wife, Lynette, came and they shared with us. It's wonderful. Uh, you could watch it. There's really practical things you can do, intentionalities in your life, but there's also encouragement for you as a disciple, a disciple maker yourself. So Dave, thank you so much for being with us today. It was a real blessing to be here. So thank you, Beth. We God bless you and your ministry and the work you're doing with this generation. Lynette, just everything. We're so thankful for you and your story. What a light you really are. And so God bless you and keep you safe and continue to draw you close to him. All right. So until next time, keep making disciples, keep loving Jesus, keep showing him to the world. We'll see you then. For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org.